This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. On the road to a milestone, it's episode 499 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and yeah, I just want to take a minute to talk about that, if you don't mind. You know, indulge me, if you will, because next week is going to be episode number 500. And for a long time, once once this started going and you guys made it the show that it is, I, I, I said to myself, I want to try to get to 500 episodes. That's my goal. That's the benchmark that I want to hit. And because of you guys, I was, I was able to do that. And as that means so, so much to me that you guys were able to let me do this, this long, because without you listening, Hey, I'm not here. You know, I'm just, I'm just talking into, I'm just talking to the space here. So I, first of all, just want to say that just thank you so much for allowing me to be able to get to 500 episodes and for being patient because you know, Hey, life's been hitting me hard lately. I'm being honest here. I'm going to, you know, throw the curtain back a little bit. There's been a lot going on behind the scenes. I don't put a lot of my personal stuff out on on the show, but there's just been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with, you know, I have I've another job as well that's been that's been keeping keeping me very busy, you know, three kids at home, there's been some challenges there. So, and just, you know, it's a couple of transitions of life sort of thing. So, thank you guys so much for for being patient and trying to get the episodes out as quickly as I can and everything and trying to play in this 500th episode which, you know, I'm going to try to make it Going to try to make it big. Going to try to make it huge and make it, you know, the big epic event that I want it to be. So hopefully next week you guys will be very, very happy to see that. But this week, you know, it's just going to it's just gonna be me. You're just going to have to hang out with me this week. I hope that's okay. Going to talk about Griselda from Netflix, the new Netflix series based on the life of Griselda Blanco. And did Sofia Vergara do a good job? I'll dive into that. Also going to talk about, hey, yeah. Guess what? Miss Marvel. Finally going to talk about that. It's now on digital HD from Marvel Studios. And yeah, I'll dive into that. And I'll maybe do a couple of spoilers there, but finally get to going to get to my review of Miss Marvel. We have a Supergirl for DC Studios. So can't wait to talk about who's finally been cast in that role as well. As that news finally broke, I've been waiting for the Supergirl news to come out. So, so excited that I get to talk about that this week and somebody that I think is going to do a really just amazing job with that. There's an Avatar trailer that dropped. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to talk about the Roadhouse trailer as well. And is there an Arrow reunion in the mix? Yeah, there is, if you can believe it or not. But it's in Calamity James. So I'll tell you more about that 
here coming up and a few other things as well. But yeah, let's get things moving, shall we? I'm going to start things off by talking about Griselda, the godmother of cocaine. Her story is told by Sofia Vergara and others. Talk about that from Netflix next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book writer and co-creator of Deadpool, Fabian Niciesa, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. From a modern family to a cocaine godmother, Griselda is now streaming on Netflix, and its course is starring Sofia Vergara as Griselda Blanco, who was the who is the you know the godmother of cocaine, and it's the based on the true story of her life. Of course, one of the most ruthless cartel creators and drug lords of all time, and it kind of tells her story about how she fleed. I you know, maybe fleed is a strong word. Maybe fleed is not quite the right way to quit it, put it, but the way she left Medellin to Miami, the way she left Colombia and headed to the United States to kind of get away from her husband and ended up building an empire of her own that was probably larger than her husband's, hers and her husband's ever was. And let's just get this out of the way right now. First of all, there's not going to be a ton of spoilers in this, just in case you haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. I was, I was even a little bit late to the party. I was glad I didn't get it spoiled for me because it was incredible. I got to say, the way that Sofia Vergara just reinvented herself from this role, because everybody knows her from from Modern Family, right? That's, you know, how she, you know, made her claim to fame. And she's done other stuff, I realize that, but that is her claim to fame. When you say Sofia Vergara, everybody thinks Modern Family, right? Well, (laughs) this could not be more of a left turn from that, and that is putting it mildly. But one of the things I really loved about how they did this story, especially early on, was they didn't portray Griselda in in a very I don't want to say negative light. They didn't put her in a weak in a position of weakness, right? She she very reluctantly goes along with something that her husband wants her to do to sort of pay off his debt. I say his debt because he's the one that screwed things up in the first place. But you know, yeah, maybe that maybe that's a matter of opinion. I, I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say. But you see the the position that she was put in and how she ended up doing what she ultimately did and and how she, you know, how her new life sort of kicked off. You sort of understand how she did that, but they always presented her from the very beginning from a position of power. What I did kind of like that they that they did with the story though, and I think part of that is as director Andres Baez or Baez, excuse me, who who was uh, a big part of this was is that you're also towing the line of why she's doing this. And they set that tone really early on too because she almost kind of, at first she you see her and it's kind of presented as a, oh, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my boys. I'm doing this to get back on my feet and then I'm going to you know go the straight and narrow. And she actually says a couple times in that very first episode, you know, I'm done with the drug business and she gets a real job and all this other stuff. But then you sort of see her in her zeal to kind of, you know, jumpstart her life with the one thing that she smuggled from Colombia. You kind of see the glint in her eye at the same time, right? So it's the okay. Well, is she doing this for you know for the short term, and is she doing this for the right reasons, or is or is her friend right, and she you know just kind of can't give up the life sort of thing? And obviously, you know, based on how this series goes, and if you know anything about Griselda Blanco and her life, then you kind of know where that's going as well. So. I'm just saying that the way that they, especially early on, decided to tell that story 
and how they walked that line a little bit, I thought was very, very smart and very, very well done. And I understand that, you know, one of her, her only surviving child is kind of fighting Netflix on this for the rights and things like that. And, you know, saying it was, you know, partially based on the book that he wrote about their life and, and all of these other things. And I understand that. But, I, you know, I'm going to I'm going to mention that just because it's worth mentioning. I'm not going to comment it at all beyond that, but it is something that's out there, and I wanted to make sure that that was out there in the universe. But as as far as the way that his mother was portrayed, maybe maybe a little bit more ruthless, I guess, or especially how you know her her character evolved and progressed throughout the series. But at the same time, I don't think that there was really anything there that made me go, "Oh, yeah, she was." You know, this is not at all. What 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 I expected. I don't think that they necessarily painted her in a negative light. You're telling the story of somebody who's a drug lord. I mean, that's you know, it's not necessarily a uh, it's not necessarily a, a job that is that's something that's you know to be to be praised or lauded or anything like that. She was still she was still a drug lord. She was still the godmother of cocaine. That's not necessarily an honorific title. So there's going to be a little bit of negativity there. But at the same time. You, you kind of root for her, don't you? Throughout pretty much the entire series, even if you do know her story and you kind of know where things are going, right? And you you ultimately know, you know, how the story ends for her, certainly. There's no there's no real, you know, mystery there. But at the same time, the how, the how you get there, and, you know, the only person that's going to know for sure how much creative license was taken are people that will, that were actually there. Right. So, that you know, you're always going to get a little bit of creative license when it comes to adaptations for TV anyway. So I don't think that really they did anything that was too out there. But I'm not I'm not her son either. So that's you know, that's part of it as well. And, and is this a money grab for him or not? I don't know. But but, you know, and only and the only the people that can know are the people that were in the room. But I love how she was very selective in who she decided to stand by her side in business and I also love how she carried herself never wanted anybody to see her in a position of weakness and Sofia Vergara actually just brought that out and I'll be honest I wasn't sure I I knew that this was going to be a departure for her I knew that you know she as an actress was probably capable of it but again it's hard to break that that mold in your mind, right? When you're seeing someone in a different, in a different light for, for me, for the first time, because I hadn't seen Sofia Vergara in a whole lot of stuff that was, that was overly serious. So this was for me, the first time seeing her in a different light. My goodness, the way that she just, she has that, you know, that fiery look and that fiery presence about her when she really wants to, when things really get super serious, she has that fiery presence about her that I wasn't expecting to grab me as hard as it did. I thought that she did a fantastic job and she had a great supporting cast around her as well. And, you know, granted, some of them didn't stick around very long because of, you know, the nature of the business. But at the same time, it was a really good creative cast. And I love the story of the boys and how, you know, we kind of always came back to that, especially with Ozzy, too. I just love the relationship between Ozzy and and his mom I thought that you know she he if he was he was like the mama's boy right it's the, or at least that's what it seemed like anyway she loved all of her boys but she had soft spot for Ozzy for sure so I love that they always kind of came back to to family at the end of the day but I mean you want to talk about something that that was just there it was ruthless this series was all it was just every bit as ruthless 
as I thought it would be. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm a sucker for a good, you know, mob boss story anyway. And this isn't necessarily mafia related. It's more drug cartel related. But, you know, th there's parallels there. But I got to tell you, Griselda Blanco was a freaking boss. So I really enjoyed this series. If you haven't watched Griselda yet on Netflix, I didn't spoil it for you. So you've got a chance to watch from the beginning if you haven't yet. Definitely highly recommended. It. it was good stuff. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Griselda from Netflix, which is now streaming. Up next, speaking of now streaming, Miss Marvel is now on Digital HD. So let's dive into that review next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Clarissa Tebow from Marvel's Runaways, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Is the Marvels truly marvelous? Yes, I'm going to give you my spoiler-ish review of the Marvels, of course, now available on Digital HD. And I'll let you know Marvel Studios and Disney did give me a copy of this thing for review. All opinions here are my own. It was free copy for review. I should mention that because, you know, that's, you know, that's part of the rules. You got to make sure I mention that and get it right. So here's here's the deal. And I'm not really going to spoil too much, maybe because I, I, I know more than one person that's been on the fence about this movie for a while. So if you haven't seen it yet, I don't want to be that guy that spoils a whole bunch of stuff for you. So maybe some minor spoilers, and I'll, I'll try to make sure I call them out before I get to any. But overall impression, if I'm being completely honest, and guys, this is just me being completely honest about this particular movie, it is all over the freaking place. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be focused on on any given moment. And I know you're supposed to be able to focus on more than one thing at a time, and I can totally do that. But at the same time... Am I focusing on the relationship between Carol and Monica? Am I focused on, you know, Kamala and her family? Am I focused on, you know, you know, Darben and what she's doing and what's happening with the Kree and the Skrulls? Am I supposed to be focused on the Skrulls and their and, and their and their sanctuary and, and what's happening with them like I was in Secret Invasion? Am I supposed to be focused on what Nick Fury's doing? Am I supposed to be focused on what's going on with their shifting powers and, and how they get entangled and all this different stuff? There's a lot of balls in the air for this thing. Oh, and by the way, also throw in the whole, you know, Kamala meeting her hero and should you meet your heroes and, you know, trying to figure out what kind of a hero she wants to be sort of thing. And they do make her a central figure of this movie. They do. And I actually think that that was pretty smart that they made Kamala a central figure. Uh, of this thing because you know she she needed that kind of a you use this movie as a bump for that Kamala Khan character which I think could have a very bright future for Marvel Studios and, Ma, and Iman Vellani does such a great job with that character whether you like Miss Marvel or you don't Ms. Iman Vellani does a super job at portraying that character and that character has been written very well throughout the course of what we've seen from her and Marvel Studios. And again, even if you didn't like the Miss Marvel series, you have to admit the one bright thing about that was Iman Vellani's portrayal of Kamala Khan. But if you're getting back into this thing, it's like they tried to tie too much stuff together. You had to do the continuation of the story from Captain Marvel. You had to do the continuation of the story, you know, ish from WandaVision. You also had to do the continuation of the story from the Miss Marvel series and Secret Invasion. So you're taking all four of those stories and trying to cram them into one movie, of course it's going to be a little bit all over the place. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, that Darben is such a forgettable villain. You know, she's kind of the new Ronan the Accuser, right? She has the, you know, she has the hammer. She finds, spoiler alert, she finds the other Bengal that Kamala doesn't have, right? So she's got one, Kamala's got one sort of thing. And she's, you know, it's a whole looking for the power 
sort of thing. And the other thing you do, which drives me crazy, and I need Marvel to stop doing this immediately because they keep doing this, and it's a huge mistake. And you're trying to give the sympathetic nod to your villain. Yes, there's a reason why she's pissed off, and it's a good reason, right? It is a good reason. Spoiler alert, the Kree people are being kind of decimated. They can't freaking breathe anymore. And they, they, you know, they're looking to maybe actually, you know, join up with the Skrulls. And then it looks like the Skrulls, you know, at least Darben thinks that the Skrulls have betrayed them again. And, you know, the all-out civil war happens. And maybe Carol had something to do with that. Maybe she didn't. I will not spoil that for you. And I'll let you draw your own opinions there. But, and, and, and so, okay, so maybe I'm supposed to focus on that story, right? Because that's your villain. You want to be able to focus on the story of your villain, whether you agree with the fact that you're trying to make it a sympathetic villain or not. Then, okay, so you, you, let me focus on this. But then they take a right turn, and I'm right back into the Monica Carroll dynamic again and how awkward that is. Then I take another right turn, and we're, we're in a... We're in a, on a planet where you, people communicate by singing and everybody's dancing around and having a good time, which, I mean, hey, have a good time. But at the same time, we've, we've got stuff folk to focus on here and we're not doing it. So if you're tr- which story are you trying to tell? I would have rather that you gave me a Captain Marvel 2, like a legit Captain Marvel 2, but also a Miss Marvel movie or some sort of a continuation or you know Captain Marvel and the and, and Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel sort of thing and done that and did it two separate you know two separate movies or a movie in another series instead of trying to shoehorn together four freaking stories into one movie now granted less about secret invasion i will say that much less about secret invasion if you're putting order of importance in stories here secret invasion pro- i mean one division probably fourth secret invasion third and then Captain Marvel second, Miss Marvel first, if I'm going in order. Although you could flip-flop number one and two depending on what part of the story you end up focusing on on this thing. I will say that the dynamic between Carol, Carol Monica, and Kamala annoyed me at first. Didn't like it, but it grew on me as I kept watching the movie. Once they started to come together a little bit more and everybody became more comfortable with each, with each other, and the dynamic sort of to start to play itself out, I started digging it towards the end of this movie. So I think that they actually managed to get that thing right. I think that they gave Kamala the bump that she needed in making her more of a legit hero. Not going to spoil the ending for you. Not going to spoil the credit scene for you. What I am going to say is, is that eventually not the, 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 this movie was fun. And they eventually got to the conclusion that I think they ultimately were looking for. It's just in getting there, it was a tangled mess to where you had no idea in a bad way where this thing was going to go and how this thing was going to end, right? So that that was my problem with it is that if there had been a little bit clearer direction or if things had been, you know, written a little bit more, you know, with a little bit more focus and you and you know what? If you don't tell a certain part of the story, and you just spend a couple minutes on it just to wrap it up, that's okay. You just had to pick one or even one and a half things to do. Focus on that and narrow in on it and finally give me a freaking villain that I'm going to remember. If I have to look up the name of the villain 24 hours after watching the movie, 
that's not a good sign for you. And it's not because Zway Ashton did a good job. Didn't didn't do a good job, I mean, because she did. But at the same time, the way that this character was was portrayed and the way that it was given to us on screen made her very forgettable. Hell, I don't recall seeing her for half the movie at one point. I'm like, it's been almost a half hour, 45 minutes. Where the hell is is Darben at? You know, it's been a while here. And then you throw Nick Fury in there just for fun because he's a part of the story and he's like the linchpin that holds all of these characters together, it seems like. And, you know, no real huge purpose there whatsoever for Nick Fury. But everybody was having a lot more fun in this one, the previous Captain Marvel movie. I'll definitely give them that. They they worked on a, they worked out a couple of different things. And they definitely edged the story forward. They just did it by pushing a toolbox down the stairs and letting the tools fall out on the way down. And then what they were left with once the toolbox at the bottom, then that's kind of what they decided to end the movie with. So that's, if that's, you know, okay for you and you don't, you don't mind that so much, then I, don't, I think you'll love this thing. And there's certainly plenty of things to love about this movie. And, and if, especially if you're going into it, just thinking it's going to be a fun little ride, because it kind of is. But at the same time, if you're looking for a structure and that togetherness that you expect from Marvel Studios, it is yet another one of those things where you have no idea what you're supposed to be paying attention to. And you feel like if you missed one of these things, you're, you're kind of lost a little bit or don't appreciate certain stories as much as you could. And there's, again, there's just, I wish they had done it a little bit better or focused on just certain specific things. And they didn't. I just hope that Marvel Studios learns this lesson sooner rather than later, because this is something that's been a ongoing problem for them, not just in this movie. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review. I didn't drop too many, did I? When it comes to Marvel Studios, the Marvels, which is out now on Digital HD, I'm sure it's going to be, if it's not already on Disney+, Plus, it will be soon. So, coming up next, yeah, there's nerd news to get to, and more of an update for some DC Studio stuff. We'll get to that next. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This is Chris Vance from Supergirl, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. From the House of Targaryen to the House of L, it's time for nerd news. And this is a big piece of news I've been waiting on for sure as far as the DC Studios casting is confirmed. And the rap is reporting that Millie Alcock will be the new Cara Zor-El Supergirl for DC Studios. Of course, making her first appearance in Superman Legacy and then Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, the adaptation of the Tom King and Bill Quist Evely's story, which was incredible. And Millie Alcock apparently beat up Meg Donnelly 
who was a Disney Channel star who was also up for the role that was kind of between the two of them er earlier this week. But of course, you know, Millie Alcock is who plays Rhaenyra's Targaryen in the House of the Dragon prequel for Game of Thrones. She actually also had a brief appearance in Game of Thrones as, as young Rhaenyra. So this, I think, is a really, really good choice because remember, there's there's something that kind of parallels here is that you all Renera had that she had a bit of innocence about her right but also she, we kind of saw her edge as things progressed a little bit too right and that's kind of the two worlds of Kara Zor-El right depending on the story that you're telling she has that innocence about her she has that you know she has that you know I, what what is the charming quality I guess you could say, for lack of a better way of putting it but there's also the Kara Zor-El that has that edge, that has that little bit of rage, that has that anger, right, of what happened to her world and her life on Earth and things like that. And if you read Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, you know that, you know, her transition's not exactly an easy one either in that story. So there's a lot of depth there. And this is, I think, an actress in, in, in Millie Alcock who can really take this ball and run with it no matter what direction they decide to go. Now, do I think she's going to have a huge role in Superman Legacy? I don't think so. I think she'll be introduced, and I don't think we'll see too much of her. But again, it'll be the whole you know introduction to her and her story coming up. So I don't think we'll see a ton of her you know, right away. But at the same time, getting this casting out of the way and getting the ball rolling on what's going to be, I think, a much more involved Supergirl on the big screen, and I am kind of bummed that we're not going to see a little bit more of the Supergirl that we saw in the Flash movie, quite frankly, because I thought that Sasha Kelly actually did a very good job, but I also think that this is a really good pivot and a really good way to reset the character, and, you know, we won't hear anybody whining about her not having blonde hair because she already has blonde hair, so you already, you know, check that box right away, right there. So, I again, I think that she's a very good choice. I think she's a very good actress, and I think that, you know, for James Gunn and company to set her up for the long haul, because this is somebody who could play with this character for a while. If this character is as successful as she could be, and she's never really been given the opportunity to be on the big screen, then I think this could be a long-standing role in a Supergirl that we could see for years to come. So, yeah, I really think... And, you know, it also keeps it in the Warner Brothers family, too, right? Because House of the Dragons and Warner Brothers property. Obviously, DC Studios is in the Warner Brothers family. So, if you're worried about, you know, her jumping ship or filming conflicts or anything like that, it's a Warner Brothers to Warner Brothers thing. So, I would think that they would be able to work out anything in that realm, too, right? So, it, it's always good if you can keep it in the family a little bit. I just really hope that this is the start of something really successful for DC Studios, I think for the most part they've gotten the castings pretty well, pretty well done so far. I think that they've they've done a pretty good job up to this point. But there's also a level of question mark, right? You never really know until you see it, until it's on the page, till it's on the screen. It's hard to tell. But I think that this is a really good casting. And Tom King chimed in on his socials uh, about a day, the same day that this was announced and said that basically she is Supergirl. So if Tom King signs off on it, being the guy that actually wrote the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow story, then then I'm all for it. If it has his seal of approval, then I'm happy. So we have our Supergirl in DC Studios, and hopefully she's going to be a great one. There's a few interesting trailers that came out 
this past week. I want to start with Avatar The Last Airbender, the live action series, which is going to be coming to Netflix on February the 22nd. And I got to tell you, set wise and action wise, I'm in on those two things alone. I was not a huge Avatar fan of the animated series. That one just kind of passed me by. I was a little bit older and hadn't watched it. Never really got into it. I'm not saying it wasn't good. It's just not something I've I've really got into and dug into deep. And I've got time to catch up before this live action series starts. So I can, you know, I can educate myself a little bit better. Or maybe it's better that I go in fresh for this one. I don't know. But we, we get to see we get to see Aang and it's at the very beginning, right? It's at the it's at the very, very beginning of him, you know, realizing that he's the avatar and, you know, trying to train and and his airbending skills. And, you know, it doesn't go too well in the beginning part of this trailer. So we're definitely starting out at ground zero here. But, you know, it's you're trying to find out who can fight against the fire clan. And it's it's you know, it's looking a little bleak in the beginning. But then you sort of see things start to come together and you get to sort sort of see, you know, a little bit more belief in in Aang as the as the trailer goes on and you get to see, you know, the, the, the group start to come together a little bit more, right? And and that's that's kind of what you're looking for right now, right? You're looking for that group to come together a little bit. And I gotta tell you, Gordon Cormier, who's gonna be playing Aang, I think that's a good choice. Not only with does he have does do they have the good look and that's props to the costume and and makeup department there for bringing that look out really, really well. But he just just the innocence that he has about him. And the way he carries himself, I think, was really good as well. So they've got a good cast, it looks like. Now, how the story is going to go. And we get to see, you know, you get to see all the elements at play here. So there's so there's not anything that, that, that you missed there. We got to see all of the elemental stuff that came through. You got to see a lot of the action pieces, which in the trailer, there were, there were some very, very good action pieces in this thing. You get a kind of a sense of what the story is going to be about as well as the try to go against the, the Fire Nation here. So, again, this being a first look, I think it's a pretty darn good one, especially if it's if you're trying to bring in not just the fans of the original series, of the original animated series, but if you're also trying to bring in somebody like me who, who you know didn't watch the original series but is very interested in checking out this world and what it's all about. And I think that this is one of the few times where I don't mind kind of starting at ground zero, right? And and finding out, you know, how they kind of hone the craft and how they kind of, you know, you know, learn these elements and, and learn the inner workings. But, you know, basically what they're fighting for is peace and they're fighting for each other. And that's that's a common trope. I get it, but it's a pretty darn good one, as far as I'm concerned. So you've got you've got Sokka, you've got Katara there as well that are going to be joining the mix, and you get to see just, you know, some really good action pieces between, you know, the, the we get to see a lot of the Fire Nation in this thing. We get to see the fire wielding. We get to see some of the airbending as well. Not as much with the water right off the bat. So I think that maybe we'll unpack, hopefully we'll unpack that in a future trailer a little bit more. But design-wise and, you know, first look-wise, everything looks good so far, as far as I'm concerned. So we get, we're going to get a young Aang here, and we're going to start from scratch what's hopefully going to be a long-standing series. And I think that's what Netflix is hoping as well. So that's February 22nd when you're going to be able to see Avatar, The Last Airbender, the, the beginning of that on Netflix. Also something interesting, and I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this or not, but when I, when I saw the trailer, I was like, all right, you've got my attention. That's Roadhouse. Yeah, March 21st 
on Prime Video is when the Roadhouse reboot is going to be coming out. Jake Gyllenhaal in this thing. Conor McGregor, if you're a UFC fan, you kind of know who Conor McGregor is. And this is basically a reboot of the you know, Patrick Swayze movie. But I like how they updated it. You've got Jake Gyllenhaal playing Dalton, but he's a UFC fighter. Well, more like a former UFC fighter. He wasn't that good at it. So he becomes a bouncer at a Florida bar, which is the Roadhouse. And he's realizing that there's going to be you know, a little bit more than bouncing that's going on here. He's going to have to kind of defend things a little bit more than he sort of expected at first. And you see this guy wants to take over the roadhouse, wants to take over the barn. You got Conor McGregor, who's like his, you know, like his muscle, like his right-hand man sort of thing. And you can see them getting a little bit of a tussle. But you know what I like, too, is that they add a little bit more humor into this thing. And I'm not saying that the original needed to be funny. I wasn't a huge fan of the original, if I'm being honest. Maybe that's something that you're going to be mad at me for. I just wasn't a huge fan of the original. And I actually like the angle on this one a little bit better. You have a little bit of fun. You get some interesting action mixed in there as well. And Jake Gyllenhaal kind of plays that. It's funny. They even kind of say it in the trailer how you like he's, you know, he's a really nice and likable guy. But, you know, you snap your fingers and he'll throw down sort of thing. That's exactly what you're getting in this trailer. And that's why I think I like this version of Dalton so much because it sort of comes out of nowhere. And like you said, snap of a finger and the guy's got skills. He's got some serious skills, not just in fighting, but, you know, realizing like the, the part of the trailer is like, you know, that guy's got a knife, you, you know, you just back up and take a swing and, you, and you'll nail him sort of thing. So he's got some, he's got some smarts to him as well. And he's not willing, you know, he's willing to share his knowledge, which is always good. So I dig this and I wasn't expecting to care or dig this at all, but now I'm kind of in on this Roadhouse remake. Of course, March 21st, when you're going to be able to see that on Prime Video. I had no idea that this thing existed. And I'm so glad that I found Calamity Jane, which is going to be one of the Tubi films, going to be coming to video on demand and in theaters, by the way, select theaters on February, yeah, February the 2nd. And guess what? This is an Arrow reunion. Yeah, you heard me right. This is an Arrow reunion. Emily Bett Rickards actually plays Calamity Jane. Yes, the same Calamity Jane that you know from history, right? The gunslinger. Stephen Amell, though, plays Wild Bill Hickok. And seeing Stephen Amell in the long hair and the mustache and the beard and all that in a Western, <laughs> it's just pretty funny. And, it, you know, we're back into the 19th century here. And you've also got, by the way, our boy Tim Rozon is in this thing as well, playing playing Sheriff, Ma- Sheriff Mason, too. So I love the fact that we've got these three together. I know that, you know, Tim Rosa, not a part of the Arrow family. And I love seeing Emily and Steven back together. But at the same time, Tim Rosa being in the mix as well. And you get to see some good back and forth between he and the Calamity Jane character that Emily Bett Records plays. And, of course, what you see in the trailer is while Bill gets killed in the poker game and then Calamity Jane's in prison, so she's got to break herself out. And she's on that quest for revenge, you know, like the classic old Western quest for revenge sort of thing, which I absolutely love. And you know what? Don't don't think this thing too too far through. Don't don't overthink it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You just have fun with this, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch this sucker because I'm I'm a sucker for like a for a cheesy western, and that's exactly what I'm going into this thinking. And, and it, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm sure I know that everybody took their role very seriously, but at the same time, 
And when I look at something that looks like kind of a cheesy Western to me, I'm all in on it. And that's exactly what this looks like. And I'm, and it doesn't bother me one bit. You're going to get, you know, and I shoot them up. You're going to get some good action. You're going to get some, maybe a few cheesy lines here and there. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Again, you don't overthink this thing. You go into it to have fun and you might actually freaking enjoy it as well. By the way, we will also see Stephen Amell teaming back up with Robbie Amell for Code 8 Part 2 coming up here as well. But Calamity Jane, February 2nd in theaters. I don't know if I'll be able to find a theater near me that's playing it, but I'm going to look because I have to see this thing. If not, you know, video on demand is always an option as well. So I can't wait to watch this. I, I know that might sound ridiculous. And it's not just because of the Arrow reunion thing, but I can't wait. So we keep hearing the rumors swirling around, you know, Nintendo Switch 2, is it coming, is it not? Now we've got multiple reports saying that it's only a matter of days before this thing gets announced and, you know, the screen size might be a little bit bigger and all that stuff, which is all well and good, okay? And I I just kind of wanted to talk about this on my off chance that, you know, I I just have a few thoughts on this because we we've, we got a Nintendo Switch in my house. I finally upgraded consoles and ended up getting a Nintendo Switch for my son who loves it. We, we, we like the Mario games in my house, okay? So, the, so and I know there's other games that I can play on this thing. But at the same time, look, the screen's already decent, okay? Now, I could play it on my TV. And, you, you know, we didn't, get, we didn't get the Switch Lite. We actually got the Nintendo Switch you could play on the TV. So I, I think that's fine. I don't know how much bigger you want this screen because I don't need to be holding something that's too gigantic. And I know you're going to come at me and say, well, you know, some of the iPad and tablet screens, they're a lot bigger. Okay, but, you know, holding your controller at some point has to be a factor. So if you're going to have the same connectivity that you had with the previous version of the Switch, I don't know that you want that controller being that much bigger. I don't know that you want those Joy-Con controllers being that much bigger than they already are. I know that we had the bigger ones for the the Nintendo Wii, but we also didn't have a screen attached to it at the same time either. So if screen size is really your reason for wanting to upgrade to the Nintendo Switch 2, doesn't seem it seems like the kind of people that upgrade their iPhone just because it's a new iPhone and the fact that there's really nothing more to it than the fact that it's, you know, like titanium now or something like that. I know that they'll be upgrading the specs in this thing a little bit more. I I, I maybe they're going to try and get a little bit more next gen stuff that you're going to be able to play on this thing. As well, but Nintendo's always going to be Nintendo. They're always going to focus on doing their own thing first, and then worry about everything else later. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. And I, f- I feel like the graphics can get marginally better, but how much better can they really get for the Nintendo Switch as well? So I don't know that there's a whole lot of reason to be super excited about this, other than screwing over the people that you know have a regular Nintendo Switch now, so you're, you're going to maybe try to force them to upgrade. I don't know. It just seems like maybe it's maybe I'm bitter because I feel like i got to buy an, a new console every couple of years at this point, or, you know, even sooner sometimes. Really quick note here, Wolfpack, the Teen Wolf spinoff series, has been canceled after one season by Paramount+. Plus. Of course, the Sarah Michelle Gellar-led project, or was it? Because, I mean, yeah, she was in it. She wasn't really the main focus of it though right now again i don't want to give any spoilers just in case you didn't watch it yet but you know watch it while you can because once something gets canceled from a streaming service it seems like it gets the boot off of the streaming service you saw what happened to grease rise of the pink lady so if you had any ideas of watching wolfpack on paramount plus do it 
while you still can. But the, my my problem with the show was that, I, and I'm not kind of I'm kind of not surprised that it didn't last past one season. The the first episode was was good. It was interesting, but it wasn't great. It didn't grab me. And the way that the character, you know, you know, way the the way that the main characters all met each other, the four of them, the chemistry wasn't there right away. It's like, what am I supposed to be focusing on here? The show never really found a true and interesting identity throughout its first season. There was just, you know, kind of hits and misses there. And I think we're kind of also overestimating the Teen Wolf fandom. Not for the original series. The original series, they're, 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 there's a huge, huge fandom there. I will never discount that. You Teen Wolf fans are awesome. But at the same time, you don't seem overly interested in spinoffs. If I'm being honest, and you're not going to recapture the magic that you had in the original Team Wolf series, and I think you kind of fi- figured that out early on when you were watching this thing. So not surprised, but Wolfpack's going away. Not really sad either. So I, I just, I, again, I hope that this is a warning sign that if you're going to do a spinoff, you better do it justice, and you be- really better do it right because it could be gone in a hurry. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Next week, episode 500. Still in the planning stages, by the way. Still a lot of balls in the air. Still a lot of things that could happen. I don't want to reveal anything either because, A, something might not happen. You'd be sad. And, B, you know, I want it to be a surprise. So 500 episodes, and thank you so much for helping me get there. Really do appreciate that. Again, make sure you're following online at downandnerdypodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you're listening on whatever you get your podcasts on. I'm not judging here, but I do have timestamps if you listen on the website, by the way. So if you want to jump to a specific segment or interview or something like that, timestamps very helpful for that. Also, follow along on social media at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and Instagram. X and Instagram, whatever. Also at Down and Nerdy on Facebook, at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok. And I've been saying this for a while now. It's still true. You never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly. Be good to your fellow nerds. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.